Welcome to The Golden Shadow, the podcast about psychology, philosophy, myth, mysticism, and mystery. In this podcast, we explore the unseen, the unknown, the great beyond, what is beneath the surface of human experience, and how we can make contact with this dark side in a safe and secure manner. My name is Alyssa Polizzi. And I'm Aaron Rogerson. And today we're talking about trauma. So Aaron, what is trauma? Trauma is a very difficult topic. It's very serious. Um, we are approaching trauma from a pretty zoomed out perspective. Yeah. Um, as something that is universal. Yeah. So not something that is unique to certain individuals, mm -hmm. but that everyone has experienced trauma in their life Certainly. in some form. And we don't, we don't want to get too much into comparing and contrasting individuals and saying, well, who's more traumatized? Mm. Like I'm, I'm more traumatized than you, or yeah. I don't have any trauma. Um, we want to kind of try and stay away from that conversation and just accept that trauma is a universal experience. Mm. And I think the most zoomed out way we can describe it is to say that trauma is the result of overwhelming stress. Yeah. And everyone experiences stress. Mm -hmm. um, as children, we experience a lot of stress. Yeah. And when we're young, we often don't have the tools um, to deal with that stress in a healthy manner. Yeah. And uh, I think part of that initial stress in childhood development is needed to sort of, uh, expand the boundaries right. of, of, of consciousness, of mm -hmm. identity, of ego. Um, but there's like this spectrum of when that stress can go a little bit too far. Right. Um, That's why this is like an interesting, interesting topic because we are talking about stress experienced through life experiences mm. that impact you and, and sculpt who you are. Yeah. And that's not always a bad thing, right? Yeah. As you're saying. Certainly. So uh, when we experience difficulty and obstacles mm -hmm. and pressure, yeah. that is something that shapes us. Yeah. And that's um, the process of individuation, mm. I think, from Jung's perspective, is definitely speaking to the experiences that shape you. Yeah. That, it, it's that it's you. necessary in mm -hmm. that process of really coming to understand who you are, the parts of you ha that have possibly split off due to um, an increased type of stress or trauma and moving towards wholeness, knowing that at a certain point you have to really go within and understand how things um, have kind of uh, dismantled inside of yourself, but also how it's shaped you and how it's created this stronger and more realized, um, individual. So it's very, mm -hmm. very wrapped up into that process. Right. So usually when we, when we say the word trauma and we're talking about psychological trauma, mm -hmm. there's also physical trauma, of yes. course, like head trauma. If you yeah. are in a car accident, you can have head trauma, but we're talking about psychological trauma. So mm -hmm. there's a, this notion of deep wounding yeah. to your psyche yeah. in, in some way. And what we usually mean is that there has been an overwhelming amount of stress experienced, mm -hmm. some sort of event in your life that has been damaging. Yeah. Um, it's been too much. It might be acute. Mm -hmm. You might have had one single traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. You might have had a drawn out, very long lasting right. traumatic it be, it experience. It could be um, uh, cumulative, mm -hmm. kind of something that just stacks upon itself and is sort of never ending, even in a way, something longstanding suffering over time, right. which also adds to that pool of intensity, something an individual just isn't able to cope with. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that we want to approach this is viewing this as 
a negative thing, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. That's normally how we talk about trauma, yeah. Yeah. obviously, is, is something that is negative mm-hmm. and something that is um, meaning something that exceeds one's ability to cope. Yeah. Something that um, involves a failure to integrate mm. the emotions that are involved with an experience, the, yeah. the failure to adequately process an experience. And this results in a, a psyche that has in some sense closed part of itself off yeah. or suppressed something, buried sure. something. Um, it cannot process what's happening in the moment. It needs maybe more time or it might just be too much to process just in general. They might just never be able to fully process it. But something that has an effect on you that makes you perhaps less of a person than you should be. Certainly. I think um, as you're mentioning, there's this um, something that's happened or something that is happening that causes um, this level of stress that's exceeded the ability to cope. And when that happens, naturally with this extremely... Um, well-working and complex dynamic of our of our psychology and also our body, we have these natural defense systems that come into place and sort of kick into gear that try to uh, help the individual going through the stress. And, and trauma really starts to emerge when those systems fail for some reason mm-hmm. um, or you're in a, an environment that it's so prolonged that there's really no uh, way to free yourself from it. Mm. And so, yeah. What, 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 what might be some like concrete examples of trauma concrete examples of trauma um we're looking at early childhood development Mm. i think is where we see a lot of initial trauma being born due to the uh, kind of limitations of of the psychology of a child and so um a child who's in a family situation with an alcoholic parent as an example who comes home you know drinks too much screams maybe physically abuses the children, maybe abuses the other parent, and they're in a constant state of high stress and high alert. You're thinking about the physiological dynamic of what that child's going through, all the stress hormones that are running through their body, and yet there's nowhere to run, Mm -hmm. you know? And then there's also no one there to explain to the child what's going on and why it's happening. And so um, not only do you start to see a manifestation of, of trauma and stress in the body because of that, but also psychologically. And that's where a child might naturally turn towards um, a sort of like psychic defense system, their psychology sort of kicking in and maybe dissociating from the experience, mm-hmm. maybe repressing the experience, maybe um, kind of taking out that intensity that they're absorbing in um, and unleashing that somewhere else. Like maybe they uh, bully kids at school, you know, because they're bullied at home. Um, maybe they, um, throw temper tantrums, things like that. Um, so we, we really start to see trauma emerge in childhood development just because of the, the real limitations that the child's uh, mind has to cope. Right. So an example of what children are experiencing often if they have a traumatic childhood is, you know, if you or I were to work 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. that's stressful. Let's say sure. you, you go to work for eight hours and it's stressful. You have tasks you have to, to take care of. You can manage that stress, mm-hmm. but it's still, there's, there's problems needing to be solved constantly. Yeah. There's people who are depending on you. Mm-hmm. There's, um, things that come up 
that are um, difficult obstacles that sometimes become more of a problem than you were anticipating, Mm -hmm. work is stressful. And let's say you have to drive home and you're in traffic and the traffic's really bad and that's stressful. Mm -hmm. And then you get home Mm -hmm. and you have a very difficult romantic relationship Mm -hmm. and that's stressful. And um, you want to sleep in the next day and then it turns out there's construction going on outside your house Mm -hmm. and you can't sleep. And so if you imagine that you are constantly stressed out and you never have enough time to rest and this is just a perpetual thing that's going on for a long time, you can imagine how you would start to break down over time because you're just not getting the adequate rest, the adequate resources to process what's going on. Yeah. And so we can imagine children being in a situation where a home does not feel like a home. Yeah. Um, And they're constantly dealing with stress at mm-hmm. all times mm-hmm. and maybe they get a chance to have their own room get some privacy go to sleep or maybe they don't yeah. and maybe they, they share a room with siblings and their siblings are not nice to them and their parents won't protect them and they go to school and that's stressful and this idea of just constantly being exposed to a stressful situation and not being able to escape from it there's no place to run to yeah there's no place to um find someone who might support you, someone who might protect you. And you can understand why that situation might not be as uncommon as we think it is for children. Oh, yeah. Because it, it really takes so many forms where it's like a really obvious type of trauma that might mm. be happening. Like with the example of a parent who's an alcoholic. At the mm. same time, um, I think this just extreme sensitivity of children and what's really needed to sort of provide a harmonious grounded and loving home is actually really difficult for like the modern parent to to manage and Mm so you know the example you were giving before about someone who's working maybe a really stressful job you know maybe their romantic relationship is really difficult they commute like an hour and a half Mm -hmm. to and from work every day you know they're in a constant state of like just getting by Mm -hmm. and that bleeds into all of your relationships into the family home and you have children you have young children that's extremely difficult it's like people are just really stretched very very thin Mm -hmm. and so you might be absorbing you the child might be absorbing a kind of like low level type of trauma just from experiencing the dynamics of your own parents who are just struggling to make sure that they um, are are figuring out their own life and their own romantic relationship and being present enough parents and you even think at least I feel like in our modern time we see people who don't have quote unquote like really bad childhoods who still suffer from a lot of traumatic effects of what happened to them Mm -hmm. and i think it's easy to even like write away that type of trauma and say "Eh, you know wasn't my life wasn't that bad right right i think that that is a a common approach to one's own experience Mm -hmm. um to one's own past is there might be this idea like why would i go to therapy Mm. it's like it'd be good for you it's like yeah but nothing my life has been easy compared to others nothing's ever happened to me i didn't have a bad childhood nothing no catastrophe has ever happened i've never been wounded in any serious way and that's a negation i think of just this universal lived experience that people are having um you might just say in the modern world in general is as it's a stressful experience and that everyone is carrying around baggage and yeah, the, the more that people negate that the more that baggage can build up 
and this is the shadow we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that trauma is linked to this this idea of the shadow very strongly because mm. yeah. almost by definition, something that is traumatic is something that we push away from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we bury it often. Yeah. And the things that we bury end up in some banished dark realm and they speak almost with their own agency at times they're inappropriate they direct your actions in ways that you are not in control of and you you lose your agency to your trauma Mm. in some regard yeah i think that there is uh, we can kind of think about the dynamics that are happening with trauma and shadow development especially when those cases of high stress or traumatic environment um, cause this um, kind of natural development of one psychology, which includes shadow, like no matter what you have shadow, but like what the contents are and how charged they are really depends on what your history was and what your experience um, was like growing up. But um, there is definitely a sense of, I think, a, a desire to keep some level of homeostasis in one's psychology to the point that we start to see um, a sort of defense mechanism or self-defense system that arises in individuals, which causes them in some ways to, it like alters who they truly are at their core. Mm. You know, it causes some level of possibly uh, neurotic tendencies or, um, some type of behavior that really doesn't serve the individual, maybe increased anxiety, panic attacks, things like that. Um, the ability to not really understand their emotional feelings because they've repressed that that feeling function so much because it's, it's too painful. Mm-hmm. But all of this, I think when you scale out, you understand that it's in service to keeping the individual as like human as possible. And so depending on that depth of trauma um that was experienced you really see this wide range of of how one's psychology how one's mind coped with it right and um maybe people are kind of operating as like a shell of who they're really meant to be Mm -hmm. but in some ways they're still they're still there they're still alive they're still functioning they're not in like a mental institution they haven't completely lost it and that's what's so i think compelling about the trauma dynamic is how intelligently the mind is working to save uh, one's psychology in these experiences. Right, because it's, it's partly what the ego does. Yeah. Right? The, the job of the ego is in some sense to, and by ego we mean like ego consciousness, mm-hmm. whatever whatever we're referring to is the thing that is the I mm-hmm. or yeah. the autobiographical self that is awake and experiencing things. That partly is the product of trying to maintain some sort of coherent narrative, right? Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. trying to maintain control yeah. over the the self in yeah. some way, the individual, yeah. and to keep you on track to take care of your problems mm-hmm. and solve whatever issues may be coming your way. And part of the way the psyche may keep you on track and keep you coherent and um, maintain a narrative that you can follow is to just push back anything that's going to be destabilizing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that starts to show you the like 
incredible power of like the unconscious because you're not choosing to do any of this. Mm -hmm. Something else is at play here. And it's sort of maybe building walls around ego consciousness, around your identity, around your personality to make sure that you can still function in the world. And thus like other things are sort of banished into the shadow mm -hmm. and hopefully you will later return and, and be able to integrate and understand and, and come into relationship with those experiences and memories and affects. Um, but it's, it's quite compelling to really look at the full scale of what's happening for an individual and traumatic um, experiences because there really is some sort of kind of defense system that's coming in and, and working to protect uh, the ego. Right. So some examples of how we might see this happening to people. Um, someone has a traumatic past, let's say. Maybe they've had a traumatic relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. Maybe their parents were abusive. Yeah. This might drive them, drive them to fear being close to people mm -hmm. in some sense. Yeah. And so this is not something they're choosing they're not, they're not consciously saying, I should be afraid of getting close to people mm -hmm. because they might hurt me. Right. Can't trust anyone. Got to maintain a safe distance from people. Consciousness, ego consciousness is not choosing this. Mm -hmm. It's This is a defense mechanism. Yeah. And the unconscious in some sense is trying to protect you and trying to yeah. say, hmm, you seem to be growing up in an environment where humans around you are dangerous yes and so to protect you i'm going to guide you to try and keep, maintain a safe distance yes it's absolutely trying to protect you from being re-traumatized because mm. it understands like how uh dangerous that is right so it is it is adapting in some yes. way in a yeah. way that's trying to be i'm trying to the, the unconscious is saying you know <laughs> that doesn't really work this, work this way but if the unconscious could speak it's saying i'm, I'm trying to uh give you an, an advantage i'm trying sure. to make you better at life yeah. yeah by um instilling you with an instinct yes. that says keep your distance from people yes yes and this is adaptive you could see how uh, evolutionarily this mm. would make sense mm -hmm. for um the ability for humans to be very adaptive as they grow up yeah. to adapt to any environment is yeah. to sort of understand the dangers of the environment that surround you. Um, and the problem with, I think the experience of a lot of people today is that we're not built for the environment that we live in mm. for the city and the psyche in its attempt to protect us. It's actually changing us mm. in a way that makes us very disadvantaged mm. and um, an abusive relationship with our parents uh, makes it so we cannot have any close relationships moving onward. Yeah. And that's the struggle with trauma is to somehow identify that this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. And in many ways, it's, it's just not noticeable mm -hmm. with, with trauma because it's been integrated into your, um, ideas of what it means to live and, and how you receive the world and, and how you make sense of it. And so that altered state of, of, of how you um, interact with an in individual and, and how you make sense of it is fundamentally altered and shifted from maybe an individual who grew up in a more calm and loving and um, receptive home where things weren't so tumultuous. And so for the traumatized individual, it's often quite 
quite quite a task to really start to understand what's going on because your reactions that are embedded with the the traumatic um, response um, are normal and mm-hmm. in fact feels right and the opposite like <laughs> trying to maybe open yourself up to people and 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 kind of readily accept love or relationship connection feels very very wrong it's like uh uh-uh, unsafe like red flags going off and sirens it's just like no right. do not go right. there all your all your defense systems are becoming activated yes. and saying warning warning yes red alert you are entering a danger zone yeah and you know, be careful we see a similar um manifestation also within the body um somatically and um a really great book to read on this is The Body Keeps the Score, right. which talks about, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and how physiologically your brain chemistry is is changed mm-hmm. through trauma and that your normal systems of protecting you um, really kind of start to work against you after you've experienced some sort of intense trauma, something that you weren't able to free yourself from. And then when you feel like you might be re-traumatized, your stress hormones, the fight or flight system comes back online and you start to feel re-traumatized instead of, you know, understanding actually like I am safe. I'm nowhere even near that tra- traumatic environment anymore. And there's a sense of it's trying to prevent you from even getting closer to the sense that that trauma environment might be close by, even if that's mm. just a misconception in your mind. And so there's just this really dynamic situation happening both psychologically um, and within the body that uh, the, the effects of trauma seems to have on an individual where it's uh, it's really just altering the person. Um, and, and not to say that you're now totally messed up and you're, there's no way of rewriting this. There are, sure. in fact, ways to, to work with these dynamics of trauma, but one must first really recognize that, that there has been a fundamental shift and change likely both in psychology and also in um, within your body. Right, right. So this is this points to the the, the illusion of the mind body duality yeah. in some sense Absolutely. that the, like They're trauma me- is just like a mental thing. Yeah. It's like well, saying that anything is just a mental thing is sort of an illusion. Certainly. And we we embody the trauma just like anything that could be attributed to the unconscious. Mm. The unconscious of the psyche we are speaking to something that is embodied, mm. something that happens mm-hmm. within the body, yeah. something that is not only tied to the way we feel physically, but it's also tied to the way we move mm-hmm. through the world. Um, the psyche is driving our actions. We do have things like muscle memory mm-hmm. that is sort of guiding the way that we actually are present, the way that we actually participate in the yeah. world. So if you have a traumatic background as a veteran, let's say, mm-hmm. And you hear a loud pop yeah. and you're like a balloon pop or you hear like a car backfire mm-hmm. and you have this traumatic past of yeah. being in battle yeah. and the body, you're not having a thought of like, oh, that's dangerous. It's like, no, the body is actually ready to leap to the ground yeah. Yeah. on its own. Yeah. It, it, your body is living the trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's it's important to understand this as not being something that is just in your head. Yeah. That it is in some sense... Um, built in to your entire being mm-hmm. and in in that way it needs to be approached as not only a psychological phenomenon but a somatic yes. phenomenon yeah and that's clearly why part of the treatment of trauma is to approach it from a somatic yes place yeah. 
Yeah. It, I think the the research that has been done over the last few decades, especially post like Vietnam War, um, is is incredibly compelling because we really see the need for a very holistic approach to trauma mm. and that talk therapy, which is important, can only go so far, um, that there's so much locked in and held in the body. Um, and so really the approach to, to working with, you know, and it really depends on your level of trauma, but for the most part, I think everyone's holding some level of trauma mm -hmm. in their body and getting more... Um, into that space, getting more embodied through some type of practice is actually incredibly beneficial to really um, approaching what's going on both psychologically and somatically. All right, now it's time for the shadow workshop. We're going to try to get into practical advice on taking action towards shadow work or working with your trauma or perhaps even someone else's trauma. Mm. Um, one of the ways that I approach my trauma is that I think of there being a little RN a younger, smaller, weaker almost version of me than in some sense is holding a lot of the trauma mm -hmm. that I've experienced or the stress I've experienced in my life, especially as a child, yeah. that I am disconnected mm. from that little Aaron, yeah. that he's, some, he's somewhere inside me and he's hiding. And I find that this is how I just kind of conceptualize trying to get in touch with my trauma is, is to realize that there is some little version of me that is hiding that I've repressed that I've, that I've put away in response to serious stress. Yeah. This is a good example of the type of shadow work exercise where we can externalize that content, that mm -hmm. shadow content, the shadow character, if you may, mm -hmm. um, and allows you to see it as both part of yourself and yet at the same time outside of yourself which does give you the ability to approach it in a way that you are differentiating yourself from right. that experience. Because especially for people who um, are really um, in touch with the trauma in a way that it's causing a type of fusion, they're unable to really break themselves from the experience and they get overwhelmed by it, mm -hmm. that, uh, that, fu that fusion to that shadow character um, to that complex, you might say, um, makes it so that approaching it or doing work feels impossible or really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. So allowing yourself to uh, personify that shadow element as little Aaron who has this type of like emotional sort of feeling tone experience to it, who maybe shows up in your life at these times, you know, really starting to identify who it is, you know, why do they feel the way that they do, um, is there seem to be a pattern of when like little RN does come up um, in relationships or in experiences that you have? And this is a really um, key um, way that you can start to really understand uh, the shadow and trauma work. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say another big thing 
is um, really working to identify and build awareness around your trauma. As I said, for some people, um, it's just, it, it's so embedded into who they are. It's, um, it's like egocentric. It's just, it's just them. And so working to start differentiating yourself from it comes from uh, really starting to build um, almost like a inquisitive curiosity towards your experience, towards your behaviors, towards your emotional reactions, towards what's going on inside of your body, what seems kind of off. Right. Because everything can sort of manifest in all these different ways. Right. So you're trying to build an awareness yeah. as, as the first step to approaching working with your trauma. Yes. Yes. And that awareness, um, you know, sort of anecdotally speaking from my own experience, you know, around the time I started doing some serious trauma and shadow work a few years ago came because um, I started experiencing insomnia and sleep issues. And, you know, at the time life was like, you know, a little stressful with work and, um, you know, wasn't super happy at my job, but nothing that terrible really was going on, mm -hmm. but something was off, you know, suddenly I just couldn't sleep. Mm. And it would have been really easy to write that away as just, uh, maybe work related, maybe like a manifestation of just a physical ailment that sometimes runs in my family. My, my mother and my sister both struggle with sleep issues throughout their life. Right. Um, but there was just something inside of me, which is a lot of where like my intuitive function comes in, which was like, something's just off here. Mm -hmm. And, um, I wanted to build awareness around what was happening. And in some ways I w was experiencing some sort of somatic dynamic that I realized was very connected to my history and my trauma. And as I started to dig into that, I, I experienced relief of that insomnia as I opened myself back up to the trauma. And so you might see those manifestations in that way. Right. And so there's probably a lot of people out there who are experiencing strange changes yeah. in their experience. Mm -hmm. It may even feel just kind of like a physical thing. Yes. But yeah. if you're having trouble sleeping, mm -hmm. you could just write it off as like, Maybe I need some medication. Right. Yes. Very easy to do that. Um, but it's important to kind of recognize that there might be something underneath the surface that I am not confronting yeah. that is disturbing me. Yes. Um, yeah. Stomach stomach issues is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, pain in the back or in the shoulders or the hips. Right. I mean, it's like very physical things. Yes, things very, that you wouldn't physical. imagine yeah. could be caused by some sort of trauma, psychological, yeah, yeah, psychological thing. thing. Um, people experiencing a lot of anxiety, Yes. Yeah. increased anxiety, yeah. anxiety that's spiking in mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, all of these ways are, are kind of methods in which uh, the body and the mind um, kind of offer little clues into what's going on yeah. under the surface mm -hmm. in the unconscious. And I really do feel that uh, unconscious contents seek to be known in some way, which is to say like your unresolved trauma will bubble back up to the surface you know it was you were unable to handle it at, at one time but it's going to seek integration and understanding and so in what ways might your trauma be manifesting is a huge question for beginning shadow work because right. for each individual it's going to be different you know little rn might appear in a dream maybe that's how you start to to realize them mm -hmm. um for me, it was the, the beginning of physical issues that really kicked things off. And and then you can start to support that work by uh, doing things that build and um, create foundation around awareness practices. So 
a big one for me is of course meditation right. and mindfulness. Right. And there's, there's definitely a mindfulness revolution going yes, on right now. Yes, there certainly Re- Revolution is. makes it sound kind of silly, but it, but it's <laughs> true that the mindfulness meditating, not necessarily Buddhism. I don't, I don't think that's really what's happening. I think just sort of this mm-hmm. idea of meditating mm-hmm. is becoming very popular. And a lot of people are experimenting with this idea. Yeah. A lot of people are hearing about it and they want to try it. And so meditation is difficult because it's so nebulous and yeah. I think people, a lot of people don't really actually understand what that means. So how might someone get started doing meditation or what's your personal experience with meditation? How did you approach it? Yeah. Um, a couple of different ways, I guess. Um, initially with wanting to get, um, involved in meditation, I definitely kind of tried on some different hats and one of the the ones that really stuck with me initially was yoga because uh, for me, yoga has a very sort of integrative built-in practice where you're doing a lot of physical work, but you're also doing a lot of mental work at the same time. And especially if you're really um, engaged in the practice in um, maybe a way that you're being guided by classes or really following um, the, the steps or entering into the space that yoga is meant to embody, which is like, basically it's not just, um, you know, body exercises, you know, it's not just calisthenics. You're actually connecting breath to movement. You're trying to still the mind. You're trying to sit with discomfort as you hold these poses. All of these things require an incredible meditative mindset and you start to drop in to your body and drop into your mind and feel where things um, open up. You start to feel where there's tension in your legs or your knees or what Mm -hmm. have you. And that practice initially for me really wrapped up um, the, the, the aspect of becoming more embodied, getting back in touch with my physical body, but also opening up the meditative mind Right. So yoga, you might say you're putting yourself into a physicality that is not default, Mm. not normal. You're engaging a lot of parts of your body that you don't normally engage in yoga and you're holding poses in a way that you don't normally hold. Like something's uncomfortable and tiring. you tend to not do that. Mm-hmm. You tend to sit down into a comfortable chair. Yeah. And if you feel uncomfortable, you shift and mm-hmm. move to a place that's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yoga is in some sense trying to increase your awareness yeah. of your physicality. Yeah. And that's a meditative practice. Absolutely. Definitely. And that can help you um, get into touch with aspects of your psychology, of your experience mm-hmm. that you aren't normally in touch with. Yeah. And they can have the result of bringing things up to the surface. Yes. And I know that you've described people doing yoga in a class who begin crying. Yeah, definitely. And they're engaging some part of them that they haven't been engaging, mm-hmm. that they've been neglecting for whatever reason. Yeah. There is a uh, an incredible desire to not really feel our feelings or really think our thoughts or to maybe be in a perpetual state of distraction. You know, I'm at work, I'm doing this and that. I drive home, I'm listening to the radio, I get home, I watch TV, I'm on my phone now. It's like, how often are you actually really sitting with yourself? And I think yoga has been such a powerful movement for for the West because it's allowed uh, people to open that space for them 
to really sit with their experience to to see that you know in times of discomfort when holding a pose you have a tendency to want to bail real hard mm-hmm. you're just like uh-uh don't want to do this yeah. but if you hold that if you sit in that discomfort if you're at that edge you might have a breakthrough you know something right. might really come up for you that's very powerful or you just build that distress tolerance and and that in turn strengthens your mind right and um insight meditation or mm. vipassana yes um i don't want to claim to understand vipassana because that, that might be a different lineage but this, this idea of mindfulness this idea of insight meditation is um in the same kind of idea of what we're saying about yoga is that you are sitting down and you're entering a space that you do not enter by default Mm -hmm. it will not happen on its own um and if we imagine that we are going through life looking out the world through a pair of glasses Mm. we're not paying attention to the glasses Mm. we just we're just wearing them and this is this lens through which we see the world and vipassana is aimed at taking those glasses off and mm. looking at the glasses themselves. Mm. So a lot of what you're doing with insight meditation with Vipassana is that you are focusing on your breathing. You are trying to, in some sense, stop grasping out at the world, stop trying to problem solve. Mm. You're collapsing the sort of frames that you mm. normally view the world yeah. through yeah. and looking at the frames themselves. Yeah, And then, um, looking at the frames that are framing those frames and it gets kind of recursive (laughs) in this weird way. But when you do this, you are, um, again, engaging certain aspects of your being that you do not normally engage. And when that happens, you'll find that parts of you will actually leak out Mm. and you'll come in contact with parts of you that you normally would not come in contact with if you're just watching TV, if you're just going to work back and forth. So this idea of trying to in some sense, break the frame that you're normally in. Mm. Yoga is doing that mm-hmm. in this very physical way. You're trying mm-hmm. to break the frame that you're normally yeah. in physically. Uh, insight meditation is is mm, you know more of just a a mental experiential process yeah. that you're you're achieving just by thinking yeah. or not thinking. Um, and so these these are tools for just becoming more aware of your own experience, your own body, your own feelings, all these parts of you that are below the surface that Mm. we are out of touch with that we don't pay attention to yeah and and this experience of of beginning to engage with mindfulness and meditation is helping set up a foundation for those who are dealing with a lot of trauma in their shadow because it's important to acknowledge that this is difficult work shadow work is already tough right Mm. like it already feels really shitty and and painful and difficult and scary but when there's a layer of like pretty intense trauma on that it could sometimes make it uh, seem nearly impossible to go to that place so sometimes the shadow work is like this is like pre-shadow work almost like Mm. this is the prerequisite for approaching it setting yourself up for success setting up the space yeah setting up the space Mm -hmm. because you really need to be able to um, sit with an incredibly uncomfortable, painful feeling that comes up versus just repressing it again, running away from it, mm. collapsing into uh, panic or anxiety or something like that, and truly doing these types of practices um, 
is helpful in building that distress tolerance. Um, one other thing I'll throw in that's in the same realm of, you know, um, insight meditation and yoga, uh, specifically for trauma is, is breath work, which you might kind of ask what that is, but really that's sort of tied to the idea of certain type of breathing, meditative types of breathing that allows you to engage parts of the body while also kind of entering into that meditative mind space and particularly for those who have suffered trauma and um, PTSD doing very deep belly breathing um, which is to say instead of kind of naturally breathing in through the chest which is kind of how we usually breathe we instead press our belly out and take in that deep breath from um, around the solar plexus belly button area and that activates um the parasympathetic nervous system, which allows our body to rest and digest and to pause the stress hormones that are coming up when we touch trauma. And mm -hmm. just that kind of daily practice alone can set you up, um, can set the playing field up for you to really start to enter into shadow work. Mm. So that's um, it's a good place to start. Mm. It's a good introduction sure. to this idea. Yeah. Of course, this, this whole episode is an introduction to trauma. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to talk a lot, about, a lot more about this in future episodes and what can be done about it. But this is a good place to embark upon developing some awareness. Yes. And if you start with that incrementally, you can build up to something that is deeper mm -hmm. and probably more difficult and something that should be approached with a professional, mm. like a therapist. Yes, definitely. And um, we'll be offering more insight on this in future episodes. And now it's time for a question from our audience. Are dreams the same as hallucinations? Can dream analysis be applied to hallucinations? This is an interesting question, as I think the knee-jerk reaction is to say that these are totally different things that sure. happen in people's life. Mm -hmm. Dreams, hallucinations, one's happening while you're awake, one's happening while you're sleeping. Crazy people have hallucinations. Like, those are totally not at all the same thing mm. but i think that's a misconception yeah i think that we have a tendency to um treat the concepts that we use to describe psychology mm -hmm. as discrete objects yeah and it's 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 very simple for us to take a concept like dreams and put it in a box and say that's dreams and take right. a concept like hallucinations and put it in a box and say that's hallucinations and obviously because they're two different words they're two different things that's that yeah. but psychology is much much more mysterious and much more interwoven than that. Yeah. Everything is connected. And uh, though clearly hallucinations are describing something that's a little bit different than when we go to sleep, yeah. uh, they're tapping into the same realm, the same dynamic mm -hmm. with the psyche, which is the realm of the unconscious. Yes, yes. We're tapping into that repository. And I I do believe that hallucinations are a dreamlike phenomenon. Um and, and with that, you are witnessing the, the psychic activity that we might see in dreams, but in this case, it's happening in waking life. Mm. So it's unconscious imagery um, that's really kind of bubbling forth. But I think important distinction here is that a hallucination is not a daydream. And by daydream, you know, you might kind of space out a bit or kind of wander off right. in your mind and kind of imagine yourself being some other place. Mm. And then you kind of 
shake your head and you're just like, that was nice. A hallucination grips you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that's visceral. Right. So, I mean, a a daydream is very ego driven, Mm, you might say. Like the the ego tends to plan ahead a lot. It has like a past and future kind of instinct where the ego is constantly trying to play out what you're about to do next Mm -hmm. and what's going to happen in the future, simulating a reality Mm -hmm. to help you achieve it mm-hmm. to help problem solve and yes. daydreaming in some sense is letting the ego kind of just do its thing mm-hmm. like what's gonna happen on my vacation that i'm gonna take next week yeah. um whereas when we're talking about hallucinations and we're talking about dreams in many ways we're talking about a um dissolution of the ego yeah. or the, the ego kind of stepping aside yes, and the contents definitely. of the unconscious boiling up yes. so when we go to sleep the the dream state is one where ego consciousness has been perhaps confined to a different space Mm. while the brain is regenerating things. And so the contents of the unconscious are much more accessible, much more prominent. Mm. The autobiographical nature of dreams is gone. You, You know, you don't, you don't find yourself on a ship in the Caribbean with pirates and think how to, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. I went I went to sleep in the San Francisco Bay Area and yeah. in the Caribbean. Like, you don't do that in yeah. a dream. Yeah. So ego is not really fully there. Yes. Even though it is there somewhat. Yeah, and, dream ego. It's a totally different version of regular waking ego. Right. So with hallucinations, I think similarly the ego is again stepping aside in some way it's dissolving in some way your ability to distinguish reality is totally being like thrown on its head Mm -hmm. if you're actually gripped by a hallucination Mm -hmm. it is in like a dream Mm -hmm. it's like you don't actually know that this isn't real life quote unquote but this phenomena is happening right and it's important to approach this um, phenomena of, mm-hmm. ho- of hallucination in a couple of different ways because it, it certainly can be quite indicative of some sort of major issue at mm-hmm. play, some sort of um, neurosis that's coming up, you know, some type of I- extreme mental problem that mm-hmm. is forming now in hallucinatory um, experiences. It's, yeah. it's really not normal for someone to experience a hallucination and so if if that is coming up um it's certainly something that needs to be uh dealt with with a lot of care and certain certainly some urgency in my opinion right right so this is not you know a clinical diagnosis um but if you're having a hallucination the same thing that creates whatever happens in dreams, mm-hmm. whatever creates the dreamscape, whatever yeah. whatever makes it so there's a pirate ship in the Caribbean that you're mm-hmm. on, that, that same material, that same process in some sense is what's creating the hallucination. Something something is yeah. coming up from the unconscious yes. into ego consciousness. Mm-hmm. And e- the ego, for whatever reason, is not maintaining the coherent narrative that it normally maintains. Yeah, Something's leaking into it from the unconscious. Yes. And you know, we have a stereotype for hallucination is that we depict in like movies and stuff where mm. it's like, there's a clown yeah. and it just looks like a real clown and the clown's in front of you and that's a hallucination. <laughs> mm. But like people who actually have hallucinated know that like, it's not, it's really not like that. Yeah. It's, it's not that coherent. Yeah. It's not just like you can walk up to the clown and touch it and be like, are you real? It's yeah. like, no, th- there's something about your reality that is 
becoming distorted yeah. and it's even like an emotional experience yeah. of like I'm experiencing this hallucination. Yeah. Um, I can almost like hear it or something or I can like find my sense of self is mm-hmm. sort of coming apart mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. and that that is closer to the hallucinatory experience. Yeah. Same with um, drugs. People do drugs mm-hmm. and they have interesting visual things happen. Yeah. And again, this is something about the predictive um, narrative creating machine of the ego mm-hmm. is sort of succumbing to contents of the unconscious creeping yeah. up. Yeah. And so you see patterns and you yeah. see colors and you see leaves on the ground that, that kind of look like cockroaches running around for some yeah. reason. And you're, you're not sure why. Um, but these are all speaking to what the psyche is mm. and how it works right? and how there's this gigantic dark pool beneath us from that creates everything that we experience. Yes. And often quite symbolic. And so the hallucination or the dream, you know, the imagery that's coming up is not going to be, you know, the processing of emotions in a way that the hallucination is, you know, your, uh, the time you were seven and you were getting bullied by someone at school, it might be like a giant snake in the dream. Or maybe like if there's some sort of major disorder going on in actual hallucination of a snake, it's like, I'm seeing a snake. Oh my God. Like Mm. that is, um, the, the manifestation of the unconscious contents. And so in a way to answer that question, can hallucinations, um, have that same approach as dream analysis? Yeah. I I think why not? Yeah. You know, um, and to that point about uh, taking drugs and, and messing, you know, with that framework um, in a manual way, you know, kind of forcing yourself into a place where the, the, the sort of veil between conscious and unconscious becomes quite thin and things start to really uh, flood into to your mind. Um, it's something to be very aware of. Um, and I think that's also why we see people who might be... Uh, how do I say this? Maybe fragile in nature who might take some drugs and not realize what's going to happen and what opens up inside of them and how that can really set off quite a psychological disturbance inside of themselves. Right. Um, it's something to be very wary of. Right. The West beyond the actual trip. Yeah. Right. That could yeah. put you in a state even for weeks. Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. You could have a psychotic break very easily. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Be careful of when you unleash the unconscious contents because with it comes the emotional feeling tone dynamic around that sort of strange symbolic image you know it's not going to be just the weird clown walking through your mind it might also be the fear that you felt you know from an abusive parent that that actually represents Mm. and that can Mm. overwhelm um so that dynamic is something that uh, should be approached with caution do you have a question for us do you have a dream you'd like us to analyze is there a topic you'd like us to cover We want to hear from you. Contact us through the submission form, which can be found at our Instagram page at Golden Shadow Podcast. Or if you're listening on YouTube, you can find the link in the description down below. Thanks for listening. See you later. If you find this podcast useful, please consider supporting us on Patreon. These podcasts are only possible with the support of viewers like you.